Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Hello, my name is Deidre Downing from Story IQ. And this week, we're going to discuss data strategy approaches and driving change with data. Yesterday, Krishna and I talked about a problem first approach to data strategy. And today, we're going to continue the conversation by discussing how to drive change with data. Okay. Here's my conversation with Krishnan Venkata, the Chief Client Officer at Leighton View Analytics. Welcome back. Thanks, Sitra. Nice to be back. Yesterday, our conversation was really around identifying problems and challenges, but driving change takes that a little bit further, right? It's, it's more than just identifying problems. So maybe just starting off, can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to drive that change initially? Like, who do you need to be working with? What What is your role in that, that process? Yeah, it's a great point, right? You may have the best solution to the problem, but you may still not be successful. And that's really hard to, that's really hard for a company to digest uh, something like that happen. And this was one of the reasons in three, four years back, uh, when I became the chief client officer, I said that adoption will be our North Star when we approach. What does that mean, right? So when I talk to my teams in terms of developing solutions for our clients, the core focus will not be on how good the solution will be or is it the best analytical solution or the best analytical model, etc. Will it be adopted by your clients to inform businesses? So you may have the best solution, but if they don't, or you may have the best running shoe, but if you don't use it for running, they're not going to get the benefits out of it, right? And you can't force a solution down the person's throat. So what happened here is, if you look at it, you have a problem. You need to, as you develop the solution, ensure that you have enough people on the other side understanding what you're developing and how that is going to impact their lives. So as much as it is important to develop the solution, it is important to educate people in terms of the benefits of the solution. Get them to use the solutions. Learn from the solutions in terms of when they're using it, what the feedback is. Try to implement that into this. We were able to actually do that very successfully with a technology firm where we developed a touchless solution and our adoption was close to 75% among this. Even, even there, that's considered a success. I would say that people will say still one fourth of them didn't use, but it's much better than a lot of cases where only 10% of people used it. And then it just goes down there. So in, in a lot of cases, when we spend money with the company or when clients would want to spend money, they want to make sure that the solution is being used, which is why I think carrying people along when you develop a solution is extremely important to make sure that you're keeping them in the know, getting the feedback. And we should learn from B2C companies like a Google, a Facebook, and some of them in terms of how they keep getting the customer feedback and how they keep improving their products. And they truly understand that this one, a lot of businesses, in their operations at B2B businesses need to learn learn from this in terms of it. And that's that's what's going to help us in improving adoption. So driving change could 
really be helped along internally if you're able to identify, let's, let's call them a cheerleader for your work, right? Someone who is really collaborative and wants this to succeed. How do you identify those people? Or do you feel like they self-select or are voluntold? What's, what's your strategy there with getting people on board? It's almost like what you would do in any other kind of uh, setup, right? There will always be a few people who are the enthusiastic bunch who want to do and drive change themselves, right? That's where you say that let's use them as the examples, use them, showcase the examples, get them to show the value, put them in on a pedestal and get them to talk about their experience uh, rather than that. We found that extremely successful uh, in a lot of cases where when we try to evangelize a solution, we find out the early adopters and get the early adopters to talk. It's basically influencer marketing. This is what we all do in our real life. But look at it in the business as the internal business influencers to adoption, right? Get a few people to take it, get them to talk about the solution. Guess what? People will listen to that a lot more. The problem happens when the solution, the person who makes the solution talks about the benefits of the solution. Then there's always a skeptic on the other side. They're saying, yeah, this may be too good to be true. So you are absolutely right. It could be a self-selection process or it could be some amount of nudging that you identify that these people have all the aspects of being that enthusiastic bunch and get them and show them why it is important them to, to be those people in the forefront. Driving change seems like it's potentially a long process, right? Depending on how big of a project you're working on with a company. How do you prep leadership for the fact that showing them success or showing change and the measuring of results that you're doing might take a while? And again, you might not be successful at first, as you said, right? We're doing a lot of experimenting. So how do you set that tone with an organization as you're trying to drive change with them? Yeah, we need to get some early successes. There is no way to no way around it. If I go to a leadership and say that you will start seeing benefits in two years, they'll say that, why don't you come back in two years when we can talk about something? Because the way the technology has evolved and the way the businesses have evolved today, there's no patience for two years anymore. So what we have identified is we need to chart a map in which we find some low-hanging fruits, show some demonstrable successes within the three to four month time frame and which is where when we are working with clients we do what we call proof of concepts of proof of value where we demonstrate saying we'll take a small nugget there was a client for where we wanted to look at a worldwide rollout which will save them close to 200 300 million dollars if the overall solution is rolled out but that would take an 18 to 24 month time frame right now how will they bet on this so we took Dallas as a location and we did a proof pilot with them and we were able to demonstrate in that in six weeks that there is a significant amount of change that can be driven if we are able to implement the solution and adopt it in the right way. Now, obviously, the full scale rollout will take a lot more effort, change management and things like that. But this success is extremely important to show the client that within their ecosystem, this can drive change then leadership will buy into the fact that okay i'm now going to commit into this now let's take dallas let's move that to this one can we move that to tola right and can we move it to the overall us and then it's a stepwise thing but along the way you're able to show this which is one of the reasons in a marathon they show milestone markers also right they don't say that oh you have, you have finished the marathon at the end right you say you have finished mile one mile two similarly you need to show the successes along the way and keep leadership along the way in terms of it you can't have a solution which says I'll guarantee you things at the end of two to three years that won't work. 
and we find the proof of value approach to be great in getting adoption and also getting some of those spokespeople who will talk about the solution and create the change and drive the change inside the organization. Yeah, that expectation that your solution is going to work at scale immediately feels unreasonable, particularly for large organizations. So I can see where those quick wins or those regional experiments are essential in in continuing to build that trust and show the overall value. So that was just one great example of, again, I'm not going to call it a quick win, but a way that you can localize successes and make it achievable so that the larger picture can be seen. Do you have any other tips on ways that you can help bring along those those quick successes to help drive change and, and get that buy-in? You know, a lot of times when we have done this knowledge sharing workshop and clients have listed out their business problems, we ask the the stakeholder on the other side to invest and commit time with us. We went to one of our clients where we want we were talking about ad, an advanced analytics solutions around forecasting for um, their business. And we were talking about using external data. It was a fairly advanced solution, fairly advanced techniques that we were talking about. And we very quickly realized that while that's a great area that will be important for them, one of their departments were not even having the basic tenets of reporting and business intelligence, right? And the CFO is managing a multi-billion dollar global enterprise without having the basics of where the dollar comes in and where the dollar goes out. So we said, we are going to help you help solve this for you. And we will be able to deliver something in six months. But within six weeks, we will give you something that you will show that will show you the benefit of doing this. But the only thing that we asked him is, Every day, he will spend about an hour with us to understand how we are developing this solution and see and provide the feedback. It took us 15 iterations of the first versions of the reports. But I can tell you from the first iteration to the 15th iteration, it was a sea change. And that became a showcase within that organization in terms of visualization, which included storytelling as well. right? And that adoption was through the roof in a lot of cases. In fact, that was used in a lot of conferences and talking in, in media entertainment and talking about how these solutions can be built, how visualizations can be built, telling compelling stories, etc. So what we were able to do was here, get the business to commit to spending time in the solution build. It's not always easy, right? The business says the problem, they go away and they, they tell you, hey, we have given you a bunch of money, you need to solve our problem. Doesn't work that way. They need to commit time as well as the dollars. And the time helps because they are also vested into the solution um, in addition to the dollars. So I think that has been a very powerful way for us to demonstrate it, for us to be open about saying that, let's just not go saying that this is the only solution that can be solved. There could be other things that are there. And second is also getting the business to have a sponsor from there to be vested into developing that solution and make them the champion for the solution as well. Can you give us uh, an example, a success story of an organization that successfully drove change using some of the data solutions that you suggested or improved? And I know there's a ton on your website, but I'm not sure if you have a favorite of of success story that you might want to share. Yeah, maybe we need a few more podcasts for that, but let me try to take one. Um, We were working with a company which was a fantastic engineering company where innovation was what they call inside out innovation, which is all their innovation was, they used to sit in a boardroom and think what should be the next best product that comes from an engineering perspective. And there are a lot of companies that are engineering marvels that do this, which is basically they keep thinking about the next best engineering thing that can be brought out there. 
we wanted to transform that from an inside out to an outside in innovation, which means can you take some of the customer feedback and identify what would they like to see from an innovation perspective from the company rather than just bringing out the next uh, best product, which is the next best engineering uh, product in terms of it. Now, this isn't very easy to drive in engineering teams, right? So what we were able to do here was first we said we will build a solution which will take a lot of the customer feedback, put it into digestible formats, created some of the early parts of this solution and were, did what we call storytelling workshops where we were evangelizing this internally, right? We found a few champions. We found a, quite a few naysayers saying that, hey, this all of this is great. This will this sounds great, but this will not work in our world. And what we are doing is the best. But we found about 25 to 30% of people who are interested in it. So we said, okay, let's start working with them actively. And we developed these for these departments and these regions. We found some tremendous successes. We were able to demonstrate actual stories of them using this product, driving innovation, taking that innovation to the market, and the product just beating competition. Now we have actual life cases and we told guys, you are the winners. We just gave a recommendation. You acted on that recommendation. So you are the actual winners. Why don't, so they started creating podcasts and internal videos and talking about these solutions. Those be, those people became the spokespeople. Then what happens is leadership sees this. They start driving and pushing their team saying that, listen, why the other teams are ready to make changes. They are, they are seeing the benefits. Why are we not doing this? And that started percolating. That started percolating to a, a place where we had over 1,000 to 2,000 people in the organization actually using this solution actively to drive innovation and take inputs from outside. And that's a big cultural change that we were able to do across geographies, across this. But that stemmed from identifying those internal initial champions, demonstrating that value, getting those people to talk about the value, and then getting leadership to then get push that agenda through their teams in terms of this. I find that one of a uh, incredible success, not in terms of the quality of solution, which I thought was fantastic, but more in terms of the fact that we were able to drive adoption and change in a fairly culturally insulated setup where they were very clear about how they want to do innovation. And that had been done for decades. And for them to change, kudos to them and the management as well for being able to do that. Yeah, that sounds like a big cultural shift for them. So uh, I can imagine the the amount of change that was driven through that process. As you were talking, Krishnan, it, it feels like you almost have a recipe for success here on how to create change with data. And I've heard you say it a few times in our conversations where it's, you know, start small, find your evangelists, get them talking about their successes, and then, you know, it spreads throughout the organization. And while that seems easy for me to say, because I'm not doing the work, would you say in general, that's sort of a a process to follow in order to really make sure that you are seeing change and enough time is being allotted, maybe time and resources allotted for an experiment to be done to completion. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's almost a recipe for any business to run, right? You, you run the experiment and you can fail as well. The thing is to learn from that failure from both parties, right? But both need to be invested into finding out that the failure doesn't mean that the entire experiment or we should not experiment at all. Typically, what happens in a lot of cases is clients come to me and say, we will put money behind one proof of concept and we expect it to be a mega success. And I tell them that that's like a crapshoot. Yeah? You 
do you go to the poker table and just say i'll play one hand and i'm going to win and we'll announce the world series of poker title no you have a series of hands you go through that elimination process and even the best player loses a few hands right so how do you expect as a business to definitely make sure i have heard uh, uh, successful ceos say that they will make four to five out of their 10 decisions correct right and that is the most successful ceos how can we get guarantee success in one experiment so i tell companies to always think about at least think about 10 experiments that you'll run and then measure that whether you got three of them successful but do the success experiments small enough learn from them when they are successful then start scaling them it's easier said than done sometimes clients are saying no let's just do one experiment and sometimes we get caught into the fact that should we just go and invest sometime we have walked away from some conversations where we said we will not do that and it's been hard it's been hard convincing my teams and my teams are not sometimes very happy with me for them having gotten to the decision maker who's ready to invest something but i feel that we are not just setting ourselves up right they're not setting the client right for uh, themselves as well but that's not that's easier said than done in terms of this because even organizations internally need to put that amount of commitment and dollars and mind space into this and i'm asking for a lot of things right i'm asking for commitment for doing few experiments i need their not only their money but also their time into this and time is a premium for a lot of people so i can understand when some organizations say that they are not in the right maturity and we we continue to engage with them we have had people who have worked with us after knowing us have worked with us after a decade of knowing us so there's always a right time to engage but we should not be in a rush to try to make things successful you may just land up with a bigger failure on your hands I think it's important to note, uh, as you did, that the failures are as potentially valuable as the successes in terms of learning opportunities. And, and that's something that I know I often forget, right? It's very easy to get dejected when your idea doesn't work or you've gotten yourself all worked up that you think this is the perfect solution. So I know that that can be really hard for people, um, especially small teams within an organization to, to keep feeling like they are maybe not being successful with their experiments. Do you have a do you have a way of working or with teams or you know upping their morale? Let's say you know you ask them to do ten experiments, the first six haven't worked. How do you get them to do that seventh? Yeah, that's. I wouldn't say that there is a mantra for that in terms of what ups the morale, but what we have noticed is use the data in a lot of cases to actually tell the story, right? Rather than telling the story, use examples and use data in a lot of cases. Even in the places where you failed, there will be some reasons to to find out successes. But if you feel that seven experiments failed and nothing is working, maybe it's a time to look back in terms of are you setting yourself up right? Are you setting the experiments itself right? Maybe that's a learning that we will get through this process, right? I think a lot of people, rather than just thinking about the morale, go to the basics and try to identify in terms of it. Say that, tell the story of what Edison told about the bulbs. He learned 999 times before he got the thousandth time right, right? So that's that's the that's the absolute way we need to look at it. That we learn from every failed experiment or failed thing, in terms of even whether we constructed the experiments right. But that can be hard within organizations, um, especially when budgets are constrained, when we want to demonstrate successes, when careers are on the line, etc. That patience is hard. Um, so we will need to cut a balance in terms of being able to identify, which is where the proof of value part, rather than embarking on an extremely ambitious project, which has a high probability of failure, but a lot of money riding on it, 
go through those paths and learn through the process sometimes actually works better. It seems as though everything needs to be iterative. And uh, as you said, if those experiments aren't working, is it to the setup? Is it, do you need to go back to where our first episode started and make sure that you are addressing the right problem overall, right? And the challenge. Well, I feel like we've come full circle uh, in our conversation then. So I think that's a great place to wrap up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks again, uh, Krishnan Venkata, the Chief Client Officer at LatenView Analytics for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Krishnan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company's website at latenview.com. Thanks again. Thanks, Deidre. Thanks for the opportunity and really enjoy talking with you. Appreciate it. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. Of course, you can always reach me. Just submit an inquiry at storyiq.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more. Bye.